Welcome to Women in Leadership Talk, where you'll hear from successful women who are empowering other women with their stories of adversity, resiliency, and success. And here is your host, Vicki Bradley, founder and CEO of Women in Leadership Empowered. Hello and welcome everyone. Thanks so much for being here at the Women in Leadership Talk podcast. I am super excited today. I have Stacy Mayer with me from sunny California. I think it might be raining right now, but normally it's sunny. So Stacy, welcome. Glad to have you here. Thank you so much, Vicki. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Awesome. So I'm going to give our audience just a little bit of background on who you are, what you do um, before we jump into our conversation. So Stacy is a certified coach and promotion strategist on a mission to bring more diversity to the leadership table by doubling the number of women promoted into the C-suite each year worldwide. And I am so with you on that, Stacy. <laughs> I think that's a very important mission. She's also the author of a best-selling book called Promotions Made Easy, and that's a step-by-step guide to the executive suite. And, you know, a lot of our audience, you're always looking for, you know, how do I do this? How do I navigate it? So Stacey has written a book for you (laughs) to help walk you through it. (laughs) So she also has this amazing podcast called Maximize Your Career with Stacey Mayer. So she's going to tackle topics like executive communication, getting more respect in the workplace from challenging bosses, which we are going to talk about today, but not just bosses, also team members and avoiding the common mistakes that sabotage our career advancement. Her dynamic coaching intensive executive ahead of time has helped hundreds of powerhouse corporate women get promoted into executive roles at some of the world's largest and most prestigious companies. Stacy also has a background herself in high-stress corporate environments as a hedge fund uh, person. And so that in itself is very stressful. And I bet you're glad you're not in that right now. <laughs> um, but also one thing I wanted to highlight about Stacy is some of her core values. Uh, ownership, collaboration, and growth are some of the guiding principles of who she is and how she operates. And just take a moment to, you know, ownership is about taking responsibility for your actions, whether that's personally or professionally. Collaboration is understanding that you know, to change relationships, we have to change our approach to those relationships and then growth. If you're not growing, you're stagnating. And I, I thought that was a, a really great way for us to introduce you today, Stacy. So our audience had an appreciation for who you are and, and what you stand for. So welcome. Oh my goodness. That is so good. And I love it when I get an introduction and I have a few surprises. I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, you know, I'm always coaching my women to talk about their core values. And so, and I know them, right. But we really take it for granted that other people know them. And when you just reflected that back to me, I was like, yes, it is literally (laughs) everything that I do. Every decision that I make on the daily is about ownership, collaboration, and growth. And, um, and so just to hear that, that, that is so fantastic. What a great intro. Thank you. Awesome. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. And and as I said, super excited to have you here. And I know we have a lot to cover today and our audience is excited to hear about, you know, how we navigate some of these wonderful challenges that we have in the working world. So let's jump in and, and, and maybe let's just start with, 
you know, why corporate leaders need to stop waiting on that promotion and how do they, how do they actually make it happen? So let's start Mm -hmm. there. Yes. So you talked about, um, my book, which is titled promotions made easy. And I think what a lot of people feel is that promotions are hard. And I think that's a great segue into why we need to take um, control of our promotions. So what do we do when something is hard? We literally ignore it because the thing that's most important is our job right? Like we actually just don't want to get fired. We would love to get a promotion, right? We'd love to have a voice at the table. We'd love to be included in that management team meeting. We would love to be able to um, set more boundaries, right? Have a bigger team, like anything that we desire, we want to have happen. But what's more important is not getting fired, right? Like like the day-to-day being really good at our job. And so of course our efforts are going to be focused in that direction and focused on, um, you know, that, that career, that, um, excellence. And, um, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk a little bit about my background and how I ended up coming up with, um, some of these concepts and why I think they work so well, but in this, in this particular context of, of not waiting, um, what I realized is, so we're working, we're doing our job. We're really good at our job. Our company gives us like a leadership training, which is awesome. And, and, and companies should do more and more of that. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, it still reiterates becoming a better manager, right? Because that's the company's objective, of course, right? They, they want you to be better at your, at your job. So then you're like, but I'm still not really getting promoted, right? I still don't have that voice at the table. So you ask your boss for advice, right? You're like, okay, so I'd like to be promoted. What should I do? And what I find again, reiteration that promotions are hard is that your boss tells you, especially if you're good. So I coach, I generally coach what I call powerhouse women, meaning they're like top of their A game, right? These are ambitious women. They have no trouble succeeding at the executive level. They just don't know how to get there. And, um, and so they'll say something like, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Um, performance reviews will happen, you know, very kind of generic feedback. Um, and so you believe them, right? Again, I want you to know that's actually why promotions are hard is because we're getting really bad advice um, from the bad advice that we're being given by the other people we work with. And if you keep doing what you're doing, right, like it's literally a hope strategy because sometimes you will get promoted, right? Sometimes it will work. And, but like ownership, my core value of ownership is that, you know, I want to have a certain level of control. And why do I want that? It's because I want to know that I can always pick myself up, that no matter what happens, I am going for my own goals, not goals dictated by other people and sort of just riding the wave of life. Right. That's, that's what I believe in. And I think that as ambitious women, when we're feeling stuck, it's because we sort of see a different path, but we can't kind of get on that path. So in terms of, of, of like step number one to make promotions easier for yourself is create a promotion blueprint, create a promotion plat path. Some of that path is going to include wait and see, right? Like that is not like, we're not walking into our boss's office saying, get me promoted every single day I want this now, <laughs> right? Some of it's going to include being better at your job. 
Like, but a lot of it's going to include building better relationships with the executive team, right? Think people getting to know what the company stands for, learning how to speak that language, executive communication, so that then when you do get promoted, you're better at your job because you've done all this work to get yourself set up. So that's kind of why in a nutshell, you should um, actively solicit your promotion is to basically get out of the hope strategy and to start owning your career choices. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You said a number of things there that are so important. Um, and, and oftentimes it was funny because I was just on with somebody earlier, uh, having a conversation about some, some decisions the company had made. Right. And she didn't get the promotion and mm-hmm. was devastated. Right. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's understanding and recognizing what your choices are when that happens too. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe talk about that a little bit, Stacey, like when, when you're, when you have clients who have their mindset, this is the way it's supposed to be for them. Yep. Yep. Then how do you pivot and, and navigate that when that doesn't come to fruition? Right. So, um, let me tell you a story about one of my clients and I talk about her in the book as well. And so basically what happened is she came to me, hired me because she knew she felt stuck literally one week after she hired me. Um, she got passed over for a promotion and her boss had told her that she was definitely in line to become a senior vice president, you know, keep doing what you're doing, all of those things. And then they hired somebody from the outside to come in. It was like, she didn't even know that they were looking and she was just completely devastated. Right. And she's like, I knew it. I knew it. I knew things weren't working. Right. And, um, and I think from a traditional standpoint and really even how we, what I mean, traditional is like traditional leadership approach. We would sort of look at it and say, um, well, how can you, um, you, you know, like speak up more, right. Um, her boss actually gave her very direct feedback, which was, um, you didn't want that job anyway, which is not a consolation prize. Like what, you know? And she's like, excuse me. Now I will say one year later, when she did get promoted to senior vice president, she actually didn't want that job. And I'll explain that in a minute mm. <laughs> because it actually, interesting. It, it you know, it, there was a truth to it, but that doesn't help you at the time. So you kind of look at it and you're like, okay, well, I I have two choices, right? I can become a better manager, right? Because maybe I wasn't showing my value. I need to speak up. I got to talk about my accomplishments, you know, whatever that might be that we've been told that we need to do better. Or we could um, quit, (laughs) like, quite frankly, it's like, you know, it's just sort of like those things. And so I had, I had a conversation with her and I said, The only thing you did wrong is they don't see you as an executive leader. And she was like, what? And I was like, you might be great at your job, but they actually, truthfully, if they, if they saw you as an executive, they would have promoted you. Right. And, um, she was like, excuse me. And then this is where it gets really good because as an ambitious woman, she, her fire got lit up and she was like, well, then I'm going to figure out how to be seen as an executive. Right. And that's (laughs) the work that we did over the next year. And, um, and that's why she got in an even better role a year later, that that role would not have aligned with her. She may have gotten it at the time if she had been seen as an executive, but she also probably would have pivoted even within that role. It wasn't the right role for her. And, um, and so, when we're shifting perception and kind of thinking about it in that way, I mean, your, your podcast is about empowerment. We're empowered, right? 
you know, we, um, we understand that it's like, oh, I was actually just kind of doing the wrong thing, focusing on becoming a better manager. So how do I shift perception that I'm an executive? And, um, I'll, I'll offer one quick tip here for your listeners. Cause I know they're like taking notes and <laughs> listening and exactly. things is, um, is to pull yourself out of the weeds, right? So if you are solving every single problem for your team, like yourself, right? Again, quote unquote, good manager, right? Like you always save the day. You're also showing them that you can't make decisions at that higher level. You're not thinking like an executive, right? So we start to shift our communication And so that we're not always talking about the weeds, the details, all the things we're fixing. We're actually talking about how we think, how we solve problems. And so for her, she didn't have to change much. (laughs) You know, it's not like, like a lot of the circumstances didn't change, but she did have to start showing up as an executive instead. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really powerful example. Um, and, And there was a number of things you said there too. I think that are really important that had she went into that first role, she might not have even had the success that she's having in the role now because there needed to be that shift. Um, And, and sometimes I think we forget that, you know, it's when things are not presented in the way we want, we get, we we get very emotional about it and, and upset about it. And it's, the question is what can we learn from this? And mm-hmm. how can we, like your, your client, they lit the fire under them, like, you know, wow. Okay. Then I'm going to show them that I can be that executive, which I think is amazing. Well, here's so, a, here's a, uh, I'll just give you another example of how we interview and how we prepare for these jobs is we want to, to feel supported, right? Like my second core value collaboration, right? We want to do it as a team. Like we don't want to just all of a sudden become an executive and be on an island by ourselves. Yet what we're doing in the interview process is talking at the other person, yeah. right? And so when she had to take that step back, what she actually did is spend that year building relationships. Yeah. Um, so that's why the fit was better too. And so it gives you more support, um, a better, a better fit. You know why you're qualified. You feel so much more confident, right? Actually, when she finally did get that role, she personally, I think was, is overqualified. Like, you know, so it's always about like, what's next, what's next, what's next, right? Not, not worrying so much about like all the things that, um, that we're not doing right, you know, but it's like, no, we're like really great at what we do. Um, so I think that's a key thing. It's like in the promotion process or interview process, or as we're creating the roles for ourselves, we're actually creating the role that we want by building those relationships. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and the relationships are critical, right? Because you're gonna when you ask for something, and I, I remember this for myself. Even I had a boss say to me one time, "He goes, be careful what you ask for, Vicky, because it's lonely at the top." And I was like, "What are you talking about? Like I'm, I support you all the time." And then when I sat in that president role, it was like, "Oh my gosh, I totally get now what he was talking about," because. You, you do have to create those relationships and have that support system around you internally and externally. So, you know, even finding other executives that are in the roles that you seek, mm-hmm. building those relationships with them, like that's such an important part of navigating your, your future. 
And, um, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but you may have been the only woman at the top, right? Yeah, and so, <laughs> yeah. And so can you imagine it's, it's lonely at the top for a bunch of people that look and act like everybody else. They already feel like it's lonely at the top. And then imagine now we're going to insert a person who is underrepresented, who doesn't, um, necessarily even think, look, act, talk, communicate anything like the rest of the room. Like that's the world that we're trying to create. That's what we wish, right? When we want to bring more diversity to the leadership table, we want all of that to happen, but we're really kind of throwing them out to, to, you know, and this is, this is the fear. And this is why, um, my work is from the inside out, meaning from the corporate leader out versus the DEI perspective, which is like the company in, which is like, how can we attract those leaders? And I'm like, how can we empower the leaders so that they can be successful in that role? Just like you said, because you are going to be on that Island. And, and so build those relationships on your way up so that you feel like you're not on an Island of one. Right. Yeah. And, and, and those were, and when we say relationships, like, obviously we're talking about women's groups as well. We're talking about, um, finding mentors outside of your company. You're, you don't have to be best friends with everybody else on the executive team. Right. But if you have that person, you can call it, you know, I call it your personal board of directors, right. Absolutely. It, internal and external. Absolutely. And that is so critical. I'm, I'm glad you actually said that because I think that's one thing where women, we, we tend to not do that as, yeah. as often because we're busy balancing the kids and home. And sometimes we're caring for our parents. And so it's like it, mentally we think, oh, that's one more thing, but it's so important to surround yourself with other smart women that give different perspective. And there's lots of ways of doing that, building communities or participating in masterminds. Like, like you just hit on something that I'm super passionate about because I didn't necessarily have that when I was in that role. I had one other female CEO that, you know, she had been in a CEO role for a while and she was a huge supporter to me. And even to this day, she is like, I'm, I'm super grateful for, you know, her just being there as a sounding board, even to say, okay, am I like, am I missing something? Right. Because we do speak different languages. Um, yeah. That's so critical to find that personal advisory board. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that once we can start to own that we are different, then just like I think the advice that was given to you, be careful what you wish for, it's lonely at the top was actually uh, advice, not like don't go for it. But he was actually saying, make sure you surround yourself with people, right? And so you know, when we really embrace that, we are different, that difference. And a lot of the, uh, executive leaders that I've interviewed on my podcast as well, have really spoken to that, that they started to create their own network at the top so that they, they could be different, right. That allowed them to show up as themselves. And in some of this difference is the idea of setting boundaries, right. Having, um, making sure that you're not over giving of yourself, right. Trying to please everybody too far into the weeds, which is making you not actually a really great executive anyway. And, um, and so when we're able to, to do that with our support structure, then we have plenty of time to be inspired, to connect with other women or other leaders that we admire. Yeah, exactly. Stacy. And, and we all have time, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, like, it, it, it fascinates me when we talk about time because we all feel like we're time starved, but yet our 
and I'm going to just say this, our, our male counterparts always have the time to network and connect and do these things. And so, you know, women, it, it's so important that we do that and we are celebrating ourselves and the accomplishments and milestones because we're also setting the stage for the next female to Mm -hmm. take the lead, to step into their power. Um, So the more we can do that, the more we change the dynamics of that diverse leadership table, right? Yeah, we want to bring everybody else up with us, right? There's so much room at the top, right? There really, really is. And um, something else that came to mind is, uh, this just comes up so much, which is, um, how do I get invited to the camping trip or the golf course or the mm-hmm. bar, or how do I network better in those situations? Right. And so I think as a, as a woman in particular, when we're looking at that as being our only networking option and you and I both, we, we agreed top of this interview, like relationships are hands down so important in navigating our career on multiple levels. And so we look at the way relationships are built and it doesn't fit us. It actually, it doesn't fit us for, for two ways. One is just like you said, time management, right? Like, I don't want to go to the bar. I don't want to go to the camping trip, right? Like I'm, I'm not interested in any of this. Right. And then it, it also doesn't fit us because we're a fish out of water when we get there. Right. They literally are talking about things that are not of interest to us. Right. So we have to kind of insert ourselves artificially. And so that doesn't feel good. Right. And so then we're like, well, I'm not going to go again. So at the beginning of the pandemic, um, I was contemplating this problem with work from home because if we can't go on the fishing trip and the camping trip and all these things, right. Um, and women, they, they rely on the passing in the hallway, the water cooler, the, um, bumping in, you know, my CEO bops into my office, right. All of those are really amazing things that happen. And I think that's how a lot of women um, pre-pandemic were actually building those relationships because they weren't going to the bar. They were kind of cool with saying no, um, but they were making up for it in other ways. And then when that was taken away from us and now you have Zoom and other challenges and, and perhaps, you know, from a professional standpoint, you turn your screen off, right? Like, oh my gosh, it's just like, downward spiral so fast. And in, in March of 2020, I was like, all right, let's figure this out. And I literally like, was like, we can schedule water cooler conversations. Mm -hmm. I I was like, that can be done. (laughs) You have to. (laughs) Yeah. And so I basically created 15 minute ally meetings, which I talk about in my book. 15 minute conversations. They work so much better for women in general, because, you know, it's not a hope strategy, like hope my boss bumps into the hallway, right? It's within our control. It's, it works on our time, 15 minutes, you know, it works on our schedule and we can still be home with the children at night or whatever our other priorities might be. It's just, yeah. So we can schedule that. And, And that's a part of the making promotions easier for ourselves. Yeah. And you have to, right. You have to, like, I know for myself, a lot of clients, especially if we go back to March, 2020, so many of my clients were saying, you know, how do I, how do I get in front of my boss? Like I've, I've emailed, I've called, I can't get time, like all these things. And there is something true to be said about out of sight, out of mind. And so Mm -hmm. you, to your point, you have to be persistent and it may not be with your boss, but it may be with the next person 
close to your boss, right? Yeah. So Vicky, Vicky called Stacy and they had this conversation and Vicky's working on this or like whatever that may look like, but it's so important to ensure that you're staying highly visible, whether you're in a hybrid work mode or you're in person. Um, and it's funny you say that about, you know, pre-pandemic, because I know for myself, um, one of the careers that I had when our warehouse team would take their smoke break, (laughs) I would actually go out and hang out and do the smoke break with them, not smoking, but going with them because I wanted to know, you know, what are we doing? Well, what are we not doing? Well, and, and it formed a relationship that was very different from, oh gosh, I work in the warehouse and this is the president coming out. It became a collaboration and, you know, help me understand what do we need to do to support you better? And how do we move product faster? And, uh, you know, what, what are the barriers to your success? And those conversations are hugely impactful. You have to also, as you're listening to this, this key element of the, I have like a series of rules um, with the 15 minute ally meetings, just to keep people um, focused on what really matters. And you just nailed it with the um, smoke break, because I really want your listeners to think about what is talked about at the smoke break, right? You were talking about just kind of what's going on, right? It was very broad and very general kind of off the cuff. Right. So even with the 15 minute ally meetings, I think what people run into is they just start talking about work like immediately. They're like, it's scheduled. I have to talk about work and it has to be, but what I'm looking for them to accomplish in this time is literally the recreation of it. And through a series of questions that you can ask uh, your mindset, what you're thinking about when you go into those conversations, how it's set up for the other leader, the fact that it's only 15 minutes, right? So all of these elements really come into play to really recreate that bumping into somebody that like, so what you, what you would really talk about, that's what we need to, to, to be doing more of, um, rather than just as, you know, a busy person, more meetings, right. And we'll find that they fall flat really quickly. Um, I think for people they'll start scheduling, um, you know, in, in general, you'll, you'll get onboarded to a new role or something like that. And you'll schedule all these meetings and you'll make it all about work. And then that week later you're exhausted and you're like, well, I can't keep these meetings up because I have my job. Um, but it's not about that. So I think that's a cool Exactly. Yeah. And, and it is about the relationship piece, right? Like, mm-hmm. and learning about that person because yes. some of those, some of those obstacles might not have anything to do with work. It might be something yeah. completely different that that person is struggling with and they were too embarrassed to bring it up at work, or maybe yeah. they felt like I can't talk about this at work. And mm-hmm. so you may be the lifeline for that person. And, and, you know, I say that in a way that it's just getting curious, right? Mm-hmm. And finding Absolutely. some commonality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Love it. So let's talk about bosses. <laughs> so sometimes we run into bosses or peers that are challenging, right? And I hear this one a lot. So, you know, how do we how do we navigate that and how do we gain more respect? Um, and and actually let me give you a real example because. Uh, I was just on a call uh, with a group of women and we were talking about avoidance and mm-hmm. avoidance tendencies. And one of the women shared that, you know, they have a person in their professional life who is avoiding them. 
-hmm. And so she was the recipient of someone who was avoiding. Mm -hmm. So I guess my question to you is how, how would you uh, share that working with that person to get them to open up to you or to gain more respect from them? Oh my goodness. So there's two different questions here. I think one is like, you're the bad guy and one is the other person. Right. So, um, let me first, let me first answer what I thought of when you were talking about difficult bosses, and then we'll sort of transition into this idea of, of, you know, kind of owning your own place and inserting yourself and see if, if that all fits together. So, I think we put too much, um, attention on the boss. Mm-hmm. And so when we think about, um, advocating for your promotion before your actual performance review and ahead of time and all of those things, um, we also kind of want to think about the boss that way that your boss is, um, important, um, but not important at all. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and like, and so like the way that we think about it is like, um, what if your boss's boss's boss wanted you to be promoted? who's going to get promoted? Like, of course you, right? Like it, it literally like your boss will just have to kind of nod their head. And unless they really disagree for a very specific reason, you're going to get that promotion. Right. And so it's not always about like, I want the promotion. Right. But it's just like, let's start to get some perspective here. I've also had situations where the boss loves the person like would go to bat for them. And that person does not get promoted. Why? Because it's not up to their boss. It's up to the executive team, right? And if other people don't see them as an executive, that perception gap, they're not going to get promoted, right? So I want to neutralize the boss a little bit. Um, Now, if you have a toxic boss and um, that boss is actively blocking you, you know, it's like, it's a very challenging situation, right? And so you're going to want to build your own separate relationships with other people, things like that. But ultimately, really, um, from a managing your emotions perspective is neutralize that person. So I my first advice always to people, if their boss is very charging, like they walk into the room, and then they get worked up, and they feel very charged is how little can you talk to your boss in the next couple of weeks? Like we actually need a little bit of space here to, to, to regain your own confidence to, you know, and so it's like, in this case, you are just going to go answer questions. You know, your boss needs to know about this update. You're going to tell them, right. You're just slowing, slowing down. Right. And then after a couple of weeks, now that you've given yourself some perspective, you can decide, oh, I actually really liked that. And I'm just going to keep doing it. (laughs) And, and then, or I need to do some, something more. My boss is still um, asking me for these things and I don't really know how to respond or seems to still be blocking my career and how to, you know, and we'll sort of navigate that. But I think the overall advice is to, um, is to neutralize the situation, right? Like to just not give our bosses so much authority over us. (laughs) And I think it's super, super helpful. Um, and then in terms of, uh, so I'd love to hear more about this specific situation with the avoidance. Um, because I think what you're asking is how can, how can she engage with this other employee, but this other employee doesn't seem like they've done Yeah. So I I need to hear a little bit more there. Yeah. So it, well, so just before we go there though, because I I think it's super important when you were talking about neutralizing and I love that um, what came to my mind as you were saying that is when somebody's yelling, 
Mm. We tend to speak softer. Mm. And so it's the same kind of thing, right? Because then they have to tune in more or they have to, they can't be yelling and hear what you're actually saying. Right. So I, so I love the example that you gave there about neutralizing. So important. I just didn't want to, I want to make sure our audience captured yeah, that. It's so, so good. good. Yeah. But yes, to your point. So this, this real situation was, um, so this individual went to this person or, or emailed this person and tried to set up meetings to have a conversation because the person is avoiding them. Mm-hmm. They don't want to have the conversation. So they were the recipient of mm-hmm. a, um, of an avoidance situation, or they were being ghosted and they were getting upset. And now the stories they were creating was, oh my gosh, are they trying to position to get me out of my job? And that's not even where it was. That's not Is even it a peer? Comment. Is it a peer or somebody that this person has to work with on the daily? Like a well, they have, they have to work with them on a daily basis. Yes. I think the same approach, right? Like let's neutralize it. Like, it sounds like it's being made into like a thing. And I would be really curious about why don't why don't you start avoiding them? And what that, what I mean by that is just like, don't give it so much weight, right? Because you said her, her mind kind of spun into like what, what's going on. Are they positioning? And then that way we can start to look at it for perspective because one, you know, many, many things could be going on here. It, it could be, you know, as much as like what you said, their personal life is like chaos and, and we have no idea what's going on with them. And they're not just avoiding us. They're avoiding literally every single person. It could be that they had a talking to from somebody else and told they had better get their stuff together. Right. Like obviously so many, so many challenging issues. And then I suggest when we take that space back, especially when it's a peer and there hasn't been this sort of like toxic thing happening, because it sounds like it actually is kind of neutral. Um, have a conversation with that person as a normal person. Right. So, so we're not going to try and fix them. We're not going to try and get to the bottom of this in our first conversation with that person. But it's like, now when you re-engage, you just start to say like, um, oh, you know, um, here's this thing that, that I owe you like that you're waiting on. And then like tease it out two more sentences, right? Like, you know, and then, and then just sort of see, you know, give it space and see if that other person wants to continue and engage because basically what you're showing is I am not the bad guy. I'm not a threat. And the way that we can show them that we're not a threat to their career as well is to just like allow, like calm down, you know, like you said, when they go loud, yell, you know, we go soft. So you're going to start to go a little soft, kind of see what's going on there and just get curious about it and, um, and neutralize it essentially. Yeah. I love the neutralizing. I think that's a, that's such an important, um, comment and, and skill to develop, Mm -hmm. right? Because we face multiple personalities in our working environments and in our personal environments. And so if you can hone this skill, that's, it's going to help you in all aspects of life. I think um, another important thing to remember, and this is the case, like literally all the time is that I think that we feel like this, um, you know, this backing off is like when you use the word avoidance, we are not avoiding that person. We're actually taking an action to create a better relationship. Right. We're actually engaging by stepping back. And so that's one really important perspective. The other perspective is that it's never permanent. And so I think what's happening when I suggest like with your boss that you're going to speak to them less, they say, well, I can't do that for a whole year. 
I can't do that for the rest of my career. I'm like, it's two weeks. I'm asking you for two weeks. Same thing with like, let's say you have a direct report who's not delivering, right? I'll actually ask um, my leader to like lean in a little bit and really kind of like help them do their job, right? Not from a micromanaging, but just in a sort of like, you might have to meet with them a little bit more. The goal is to meet with them less, right? Like that's why they're like, but I want them to do better work, right? I want to meet with them less. But what I'm saying for the short term is to is to rebuild that relationship. And it might require a different tactic for two weeks than what the long-term goal is going to be. Yeah. And you're setting them up for success. Right. Yeah. Because I, I, w- I was just thinking about this uh, person that you suggested. It's like her goal is not to avoid. So I'm suggesting to pull back. And she's like, no, I want to engage. Right. But they <laughs> see, we have to get perspective always before we can, before we can change. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we, we've covered a lot, but just one <laughs> more thing before we wrap up, because we could actually continue on for quite some time. <laughs> I love it. So, but before we wrap this up, let's, let's talk about and this comes up often, I'm sure, you know, we both hear this, getting into that executive suite, how do we maintain or how do we stay true to our authentic self? And for women in particular, like this becomes a a challenge, right? And and you see it often where women get into the executive suite and then they become one of the boys Mm -hmm. or they think that's the only way they can play in that arena. And so what are your thoughts, um, Stacey, on really being true to your authentic self and showing up fully? Well, the first thing that, which we've already touched on, which is um, in the promotion process, show up as your authentic self. Right. And that's going to mean that you get um, promoted in a different way. Right. You're going to you're going to schedule those 15 minute ally meetings. You're going to do them the way that I suggested. It's going to be different. Right. And so when you start to show up more and more as yourself, you're going to feel more confident as yourself. Right. In those roles. And then as a separate note, um, let's do our due diligence. Let's not take the roles that bad companies. (laughs) I was going to say a bad word, (laughs) Um, but you know, so it's like, um, I, I, I have seen women turn down board seats, right? Their dream is to be on a board, right? But then they, it's so obvious that they are the token minority leader and that entire board does not actually care about them being there. Right. And so like, let's create our own board seats. Let's create our own leadership table at the organizations that are going to value us. Let's teach other people to value us. And so I think about it more like instead of authentic self, I actually call it authentic power. And as women, we are more powerful than we realize at at all. Right. And so first of all, it's owning that you belong in the C-suite. It's owning that your organization needs you in the C-suite more than you need them. Yeah. Like when you know that, (laughs) yes, as applause, right? When you know that, then you aren't so worried about fixing that company, right? You're like, oh, this company has some serious issues and like, you know, and yes, of course, 
again, it's like pull back to lean in when we're, when we're getting, when we're leaving the company that has that toxic environment and it hurts, you're like, gosh, but that's the environment I want to change. That's the environment I want to be the change of. Right. But if you're constantly getting pushed down, then you aren't going to be able to lead that change. And so maybe what we have to do is take that step back. Maybe we have to be an example for other women and to lift other people up. And that might look like a different group, a different boss, a different company. It might look a little bit different than what you had hoped when you thought about changing the system. But I think, and I really believe in combination of, of everything, which is, the ownership of our own individual careers and our own individual ability and authentic power to be able to lead at that higher executive level, no matter who we are, what we look like, if we don't look like the rest of the room better for it, right? Really owning that combined with the world, right? Which is uh, the political scope and the work that is being done on DEI and the work that is in the, and holding companies and organizations from a political perspective accountable for their actions, right? And that is being done. Somebody else, not me, is doing that work. And I'm so grateful and I will support that and I will throw money at them, right? Like in all of those things. And then the work that I'm doing is the internal, right? And the, per, the woman herself and how do we get her into a successful place? And I really do believe it's by owning our authentic power and really just understanding that we have choices and now is our time. Yeah. Oh, love that. Love that. Love that. That's brilliant. And, and, and one thing you said there, I just want to, I want to really emphasize it is that when you make that choice to leave that environment, that is not failure. Yes. It's courage, but you're actually giving permission to those who are watching you. So step into that courage. You are not a failure. You, you are, you're that hope. <laughs> you're mm-hmm. that person that others are looking to, to say, I want to be able to make that stand. So yeah, this is not okay. And women are looking at executive teams now and boards now, and they're looking to see if people look like them on the board and then they're not applying if they don't. Right. You know, and yes, we can be the change and we will be the change, but we also have to understand that it's our responsibility to empower ourselves. And because that when we're at our best, that is when we have the ability to really make that impact and to make that change. Because having another woman on a board to be put in her place is not interesting to me. No, no, exactly. Exactly. And it benefits when you do the inner work, because that's where I focus as well, being a very conscious leader. And when you're doing that inner work and being very conscious, it's not just about your profession. It's also about you as a being, because Mm -hmm. you, you are that no matter how you're showing up or where you're showing up personally or professionally. And, and that's also, I think, extremely important. And I also think that's where we've had a lot of burnout, right? Mm -hmm. Because people get so exhausted of trying to be this for, you know, their time, their, you know, 10, 12 hours at work, and then they get home and they're just like, Oh my God, I can't do anymore. And, and so it's harmonizing that so that you're being fully empowered no matter where you are and what you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. Great conversation, Stacey. Thank you (laughs) so much. Like so many amazing tips, so many, you know, great nuggets that our audience can take from this conversation today. And I'm sure people are saying, oh, how can I get her book? So, so tell them, how can they get your book? 
So the best place to go is stacymayer.com. And there's going to be a couple of things on that page that you're going to find really useful. One is going to be the book page. So slash book, you can also do slash podcast to learn more about my podcast, maximize your career. And then I have a free resources page on my website as well, where you can download some of my free other free resources and get connected with me in that way. Awesome. Awesome. Well, from the bottom of our heart here at We'll Talk Podcast, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been wonderful. And I want to thank our audience. I know you have a choice as to what podcast you listen to. And we're super grateful to have you joining in with Women in Leadership Talk. And if there's topics that you know you find interesting or you'd like to hear more about, reach out to us and, and let us know uh, what topics you, you, want, you want to hear about. So we look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. And Stacy, best of luck. And, and thanks again for sharing your time with us and all your beautiful energy. Thank you so much. Our pleasure. Thank you for joining us for Will Talk, sponsored by Women in Leadership Empowered. To learn more about our programs, please visit www.willempowered.com. We look forward to seeing you in our community.